Life is filled with changes by choice. As a church, as families, as individuals, we should many times pursue humble, wise change. Our discussion of humble, wise change will not come from a specific passage, but is the rebuke, the correction, the training in righteousness coming from the Mosaic Law. Proverbs, Old Testament prophets, the life of Christ in the Gospels, the early church in Acts, and the epistles. So it's some preaching, teaching, and discussion from an overview overview of some 4,000 years of the Lord dealing with Israel and the body of Christ. I want to turn to several passages and read a number of verses again, not trying to explain them in their context, but go back to Exodus chapter 19. In the context, God is giving the We're about to give the Mosaic Law to Israel. And before he does that, he shares with Israel what his desire for them was. And again, leaping into the context of the Mosaic Law being given to Israel. Verse 3 of Exodus 19. Then Moses went up to God, and the the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation These are the words you are to speak to Israel. Notice, they were to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. In Isaiah, again, leaping into a context of judgment, Isaiah 57. Isaiah pronounces judgment, but he also gives promise of what is coming after the Lord judges Israel, Judah. In Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. You think of change, you think about living. And Judah was going through change at this point in time. The Lord says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives an invite. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In James chapter 3, James is 
sometimes considered a very practical book in that he just deals with issues of life where rubber meets the road. Earlier in chapter 3, he dealt with the tongue, and then he moves into heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. In verses 17 and 18, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. We make choices for change often in our lives. And this morning, I want to address humble, wise change as it relates to our local church. And you can make applications to yourself. You can make applications as a family But there's some areas where we are currently facing some change. And some areas that we have concern that maybe we should consider some change. And I'm kind of tying all these together and we'll try to make some applications this morning. We know that we're in the process of looking for a pastor over a period of years. I hope to be stepping back. In recent years in particular... I've heard from within our own church, but also as I read, there's concern of reaching the younger generation. Seems like we're losing the younger generation. I hear that quite often. Also, how do we have an effective outreach to our community in this season of our ministry? You know, in light of the raid, in light of the news that we received in February, how do we effectively reach out to our community? Do we need to make some shifts? And then there's just cultural changes. Tremendous change in technology. You know, you used to go to someone to talk to them, now you just text them and whatever. You know, there's tremendous change, and that makes a difference in how we relate. We live in a postmodern country, We can't assume anymore that people know about God. You can't just talk to them about Christ. Bring up God. Well, what God are we talking about? Now, that may require some change. And there's been a tremendous amount of change in sexuality in our country. And that may affect how we relate and respond to people. And I'm not going to propose 50 changes this morning, but give some thoughts as it relates to change. Heavenly, humble, wise change involves humility. It springs from contentment, from knowing and experiencing Christ, patience, submissive. It's deemed skillful. It's relational. Change is not something that we should run into or rush into, whether it be a church or a family or an individual. But it springs from humility, contentment, knowing and experiencing Christ. Patience, a submissiveness to God. It's deemed skillful and how it influences relationships should be considered. 
So humble wisdom change as you look at Scripture, all of Scripture, whether it be Israel, whether it be Christ or the church. Change is pursued because it is determined to be wise. Just to change, to change is not good. There's no looking for demanding results. There is no thinking this will produce what we desire. There is a passion to be obedient to the Lord, His will, His plan, His desire. This understood to be the best plan. It's determined to be wise, to be skillful. So an example from our own history, a number of years ago, I would have shared, you know, one of these days, I'm not going to be around. That's true of all of us. But as a pastor, you know, I age and so on. And we deemed it wise and skillful that we don't just leap into that change, that we would seek to bring someone on board, spend some time working the two of us together, and then I kind of stepped to the background and he would take over. It wasn't something that we were demanding a particular result, but rather deem it skillful. Think about the younger generation. We may say, oh, we've got to do something to reach a gener- younger generation. What do they like? What can we do to reach them? Maybe we need to stop and say, is it wise? Any change that we make, is it wise? Secondly, it is skillful action springing from walking with God, with Christ, that is being humble. It's not a transferable plan, but unique, one of a kind. It springs from walking in the Spirit. How often in our culture today, in the church culture, we look for what works in another part of the country, and we say, now let's bring it to our part of the country, and yet let's use it here. It worked there, it will work here. Change is, involves skill from walking with God, understanding the local context, and seeking God in what would be wise, what would be profitable. So an outreach to our community. We can say, this works somewhere else. Will it work here? Maybe, maybe not. But how is God leading us here? Determined, that's determined to be wise. The focus is on God's glory, not self, not the church. We want God to get the glory. Well-thought-out reasons can be given for change. So we think about living in a postmodern country where Christ is not acknowledged as creator. God is not acknowledged as creator many times. Where just most anything goes... How do you reach them? 
So you pass out a track and say, read this, and they begin with Christ and what Christ has done. The person, who's Christ? Why are we talking about Christ? You might have to change your method and how you think. But that's done with skill. So we talk about reaching a younger generation. And we say, well, we, this is the way we did it. 20 years ago. Well, you're dealing with younger people that were born in a high-tech world and live in a high-tech world. How do you relate to them? Do you shift methods at all to reach them? You pray. We seek God as to how to effectively minister. See, as we seek God in change, we seek God in being sensitive in our community. There are some good results. Now just practically think about it for a second, and I'm not asking for any feedback, but the fact that we have gone through what we have as a church and I have as pastor, has that made a difference in our community? And how they view us. How do we buy up a church raid? How do we buy up my being in the news and the church being in the news with some shift in methodology for God's glory? Been a change? We seek God. And how to shift. But some results, a growing contentment in Christ. There's not demands, there's not expectations, there's resting that we want to follow God. So many times we're tempted in change to demand. We got to do this. We're going to reach our community. We got to change. But a result of godly change is contentment. There's a deeper, firm, resolute surrender to God, a willingness to let God be God. Understanding his ways and understanding that only God and Christ can satisfy. Looking elsewhere elsewhere is recognized as being a treadmill where there's a lot of action, but not being sensitive to God. You know, as we seek God in change, that brings about a deep, firm confidence in God. Another result is holiness, godliness of character, being, beliefs, thinking from the inside out. You know, just there's a growing holiness, growing godliness. And that influences people. So in light of the change that has taken place in our church and our community and how many they they might view us, do they see in us a holiness, a godliness in the change that has taken place where we just humbly depend upon God? A change that also creates thirst. Questions raised. 
by children, grandchildren, unbelievers, and immature believers. Where we aren't changing just for the fun of it, to try to make something happen, but in a deep, humble dependency upon God. Now, with those thoughts in mind, a couple questions. We think about change. Is God's core plan, design, desire, practiced as a pattern of life? We've got to do something to reach our community. We've got to do something to reach younger people. How do we respond to this high-tech world? But what are the basics that God has called us to? When it comes to reaching people, the basic is, do we love God? Another basic is, are our life seen as holy and godly? We had communion. Are our relationships as a body being seen as relationships that we can only blame on God? That's not a good way to word it, maybe. And are our lives creating thirst? So we may sit down and say, what can we do to more effectively reach our community? And that's a good question that's worthy to consider. But do we love God? Do we love one another? Are our lives creating thirst? Are we working hard? As under the Lord, are we listening in school? So that that is the backdrop that creates wisdom in change. We consider a pastoral transition sometime in the future. Do we know what a leader is to be? What is a pastor to be? What is a pastor to do? What is he not to do? We better know that if we're going to make a change so that the next guy that comes on is doing what he's supposed to. If the basics are in order, move on. If no, confess and repent. Why plan some method for more effective outreach if we're not loving one another. Because effective outreach is dependent upon our relationships. If we are seeking to have godly relationships and caring for one another, then I think God will give us wisdom and further thinking. If yes, move on. If no, confess and repent. A second thought. Am I, are we content, satisfied in Christ and obeying his plan, design, and will? Are we content in just obeying the basics? Are we content? So we talk about reaching younger people. In the context of reaching younger people, Are we content with mom and dad teaching and training their children? Assuming mom and dad are believers. Grandma and grandpa, assuming they're believers, having an impact on the grandchildren. And having older men and older women women teaching younger. 
Those are core basics. Are we content if that's all we ever did? Well, let's do something else. So I'm talking, or you're talking to a 25-year-old. And you want to talk to them about Christ. And you bring up the subject. And you can tell that this isn't going to go too well because they respond with some bitterness and anger. And you wisely say, why are you responding the way you are? When I bring up the issue of God and I bring up the issue of Christ. And they say, you don't know the home that I grew up in. I grew up in a Christian home in name. But mom and dad fought a fair amount. Dad never taught me how to be a Christian or how to live well. And now you're talking to me about Christ. You get your act together in your families first, and then you can talk to me. See, that stands in contrast to talking to someone about Christ. And they say, I have observed the church, a local church in my area, and they are just content in seeking to be godly, having godly marriages and godly families. They haven't arrived. They blow it. They need to confess. I know all that. But they're content. They're not dependent upon some quote-unquote method. Are we content? If yes, move on. If no, confess and repent of drinking at poisonous well springs. And you say, what do you mean by that? If we go to methods when the basics aren't in order, then we run into struggles. Third question, why are we seeking change? Due to longing for God's glory, or is there discontent, frustration, and independence? Do we want God's glory? So we live in a postmodern world. We say, well, if we use this technology, maybe we'll get this result. I don't know, but are we concerned about God's glory? That's the bottom line. If for God's glory, move on. If it's not God's glory, then again, repentance. Is the change skillful? Have we obtained godly counsel? Can we demonstrate that it is wise? Again, if yes, move on. If no, confess and repent. But what do, you, do I mean as deeming wise? You go to California or you read about what's happening in California and they come up with some method to reach the community. And we say, let's bring that to our community. Why? Is it skillful? Is it the best way to reach people? Skill. Godly counsel. 
How do you reach a community if they don't know us very well at all that saw what they saw on the news about our church? Now, someone knows us, they have probably a different response. But skill in permeating our community. How do you do that? Concern for God's glory, just keeping the basics in order. But how do you do that? How do you, how do we as a church, skillfully reach out to people in our community that have a much, much different view of sexuality than we might have. How do you reach them? Skillful. Is the Lord in it? Is Christ leading? Are we walking in the Spirit? Are we unified? Are there fruit of, relation, or fruit of the Spirit relationships? If there are, move on. If no, repent. You know, again, are the basics in order? Godly relationships. Are we walking in the Spirit? And then what specific steps, actions should we take? And I'm not here to suggest that we do this or do that or do the next thing this morning, but rather encouraging us to think. How do you reach the younger generation? We're going to have a kids program. And in that kids program, we're going to have flannograph. As you can see by some responses, you're thinking, kids don't think that way today as much. We do something different. What is that? We seek God. We desire wisdom. How do you relate to a 28-year-old? That is looking at their phone all the time. And please don't interpret that as knocking phones. That's not my point. How do you build a relationship with them? Or how do you reach them? How do you reach into our community where we have back porches, no front porch, and people are just more closed, and you can even get in trouble for trying to go to homes and visit them? How do you reach those people? Our culture has changed. Everyone don't sit in their front porch waiting for a neighbor to walk by with an intent how to, or you know, with intent that we can talk some. Now you go to someone's door and you knock on the door, you ring the doorbell, they'll they might slam the door or they might talk to you. I don't know, it depends. But how do you reach them? Do we need to consider some shift? in methodology. 
Again, for God's glory, because we've been, been sensitive to God, because we're walking with God, we desire to be faithful. And again, coming back to the basics over and over again, keeping them in order and in line. We talk about reaching our community. How do you relate to talking to a neighbor, maybe a co-worker, and you bring up the issue of, for some reason, something came up in the conversation about marriage. And you're thinking marriage, a man, and a woman. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, you realize they're thinking of marriage as being a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. How do you relate to those people? You say, that's not true in our community. You don't have to go very far to find that that is part of our community. So we live in a world that is not the same as it has been in the past. And we could import some method from somewhere else. Before we do that, I think we need to respond and think through some things that I have discussed this morning. You know, what is needed in our particular area? How do we relate? How do we respond? The wisdom that we need, the understanding that we need. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who are so in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now close with a final example. You're talking to someone on the job and they end up discussing some event. And they say, oh, you go to church. You say, yeah, I go to church. Where do you go to church? I go to Roaring Brook Baptist Church. Roaring Brook Baptist Church. Roaring Brook Baptist Church. Roaring Brook. I heard that name somewhere. Where did I hear that name? Oh, about a year ago. Your church was on the news, wasn't it? How do you relate to that? We're in a little bit different context than we may have been a year ago. And I don't say that in a negative way. But how do we relate? What methodology do we use? So I walk in the hospital and going to visit someone in the community. And they say, oh, Brubaker, Brubaker, Brubaker. Oh, yeah. I think I heard your name somewhere. Not in such a good context. How do we respond to that? We want to reach a younger generation. We want to have outreach to our community. We're dealing with a culture that has changed technologically. Many respects postmodern and other changes. 
as we seek God, are we open to saying, God, if we need to make a shift in methodology, we will. And if we make any shifts, we want to be sure the basics are in place. And again, maybe we need to rethink some methodology. I don't have tons of big changes. That's not where I'm coming from. But just technological changes, cultural changes, some things that have happened in the last six months in our church. Younger people saying, God, do we shift gears? Let's pray together. Father, we know that as we consider your word, we consider Christ, that you've called us to live in deep sensitivity to you, to Christ. We love you. We want to be faithful to you. We know our world has changed. The context of our local church has changed some just because of what has happened. We know that that has come through your sovereign, gracious hands, and we accept that. We desire to be wise as we seek to live out the basics for your glory. If there needs to be some shift in methodology, then we want to be open to that, Father, not rushing into something, um, but on the other hand, not holding back. Give us wisdom. Continue to work through us as you have over the years. And you've worked deeply in the last six months. We just want to be sensitive to you and yielded to you as we together pursue your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.